Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I hope and trust that you are all well. Before I get started, I would like to give a very special shout-out to the Reformed members of Back to Ashes. Tavia S., Mana Ash, Norman D.W., Chrissy Ellis, Tina Mead, Cindy Cleveland, Patty's niece, Samantha Place, and Innerscare Wifey. The rest of the membership will be right here on your screen. If you like what you are hearing, please leave a like and a comment below. Or if you're not subscribed, go ahead and hit subscribe and hit that notification bell and set it to all. That way you know every time I upload. Also, if you like what you are hearing and would like to support a content creator, you can buy me a coffee. That link can be found in the description below. If you would like to become a member of Back to Ashes, that information can be found in the description below. Perks include getting videos a day early, listening to the stories in their uncensored version, and no fluff words involved, video releases on the weekend, and much more. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For when we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in to get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled, True, Let's Not Meet Stories. Right after this intro, an ad will play. I'll read the first story, an ad will play. After that, there will be no more ads within this video. I'm a 37-year-old guy. This happened after I had just moved to Columbus, Ohio to move in with my half-brother and his girlfriend, which ended up being a total nightmare. They are horrible, trashy, entitled people, but that's a different story on its own. So, I'd find things to do during the day just to avoid them. I'd pretend I had a volunteering job at the library because I knew they'd never go. Sometimes I'd just go on long walks. I was at some random park walking around, a creepy guy in a red car pulled up to me and started making small talk. Then, he asked if I wanted to go hang out. I told him I had to be somewhere. He then asked how old I was. I told him I was 21. He replied, Oh, I thought you would be 15. It wasn't anything too abrasive, but his demeanor and that statement stuck with me years later. I should have mentioned that this happened in June or July of 2007. So, to the creepy predator in the car trying to get 15-year-olds to hang out with you, I hope I never meet you again and that you're caught and thrown behind bars. I live in an apartment building that is safe and live on the third floor. I was in my bed napping at around 3 p.m. when I heard super loud banging on my door that wouldn't stop. So I was sketched out, and after looking through the peephole, I cracked open the door with my gun behind my back. This 40- to 50-year-old male claimed that it had been delivered to his apartment by mistake and handed it to me already opened. Okay, a little weird, but I've done it once myself by mistake, so I didn't think too much about it. But he also kept the wrapping of the package with my address and name on it. But while I was closing the door, he tried hooking his hand around the lock inside. Already creeped out by the guy, I went to the Amazon app and saw a clear picture of my package at my door with my apartment number included. So, my theory is he took the package from my door and used it as a way to see inside my apartment to case the place. 
open to theories and other explanations. But to be honest, I have had attempted breaking and entering once when I lived in a rough area, so I'm concerned. But strange man taking my mail and claiming it was delivered to his place. Please, let's not meet again. As stated above, please feel free to give your interpretation of what that encounter was about, and I'm also open to advice. We will keep this short. Would like some advice. My wife and I took our toddler son to the small playground at the front of a school near our apartment after a rainstorm, so the streets were very quiet. We were the only ones there, and while we were playing, my wife saw a man hiding around the corner of the building and leering at my son. The playground is such that you have to go into a gate to get into it. You don't just accidentally walk by. As soon as he saw, he noticed my wife see him, he immediately took off. She ran after him and was maybe 30 seconds behind him, but couldn't find him anywhere. The streets are super wide and long, so we should have been able to see him for miles. So, he was likely hiding somewhere. She came back and told me his description, which included mentioning a rainbow drawstring backpack. As soon as I heard this, I freaked out because a man with a rainbow drawstring backpack was coming out of our building behind us on our way to the park as I moved my son out of the way to let him pass. Anyway, to make a long story short, we ask a porter we're friendly with, we live in a doorman apartment, to check the cameras at the building entrance and sure enough, he saw the guy and knew him. He lives a few floors below us and... He's the director of youth and family services at a church, and his husband is the head of theology at a major university in my city. Needless to say, we're freaked out and not entirely sure how to handle it. Any advice would be appreciated. And to the creepy man taking pictures of my son, I'm calling the police and I hope I never see you again. Back in 2016, I was a homeless and drug-addicted teen living in one of the worst skid rows in America. The majority of my days were spent doing anything I could to get my fix, and then using in a park frequented by other vagrants and addicts just trying to get by during the thick of the opioid epidemic. Most of these people were harmless, friendly even, except this one young man. He seemed normal at first quiet and mild-mannered, but every so often, I'd catch him glaring and his eyes were dark and almost empty, like a shark's. The hairs on the back of my neck would stand up, and I got a weird feeling in my stomach that something was off. One day, he got into a fight with another kid in the park, and I caught the first glimpse of the monster inside him he so desperately tried to hide. Fights are never pretty, and I've seen my fair share of them living on the streets. But the rage that exploded from this guy in a mostly verbal brawl was something I'd never witnessed in my entire life. Even in a haze, I could sense there was something terribly wrong going on in this man's head. 
A few months passed, and by then, I had found a place to rest my head indoors and was watching the evening news. Turns out my gut feeling about this guy was right. He had gone to a neighboring city, stolen booze and a large knife, walked into a high school and ended up murdering a young girl and seriously injuring another. For a while, my mind went through a lot of what-ifs and felt some guilt for not having gone to the authorities with my suspicions. In hindsight, there wasn't really anything I could have told the cops about him besides the off-putting vibe he gave off, and something tells me they wouldn't have taken a junkie seriously anyways. Scary murderer from the park, if you ever get paroled, let's not meet. So, this happened four days ago. Little bit of backstory. Me and my friends like to go outside late at night and just chat and walk. This time it was three of us. We were walking on the street when a car passed by. So we moved to the side to let it pass through. A dog behind a fence started barking at me. I got scared and angry, and I wanted to throw my Coca-Cola bottle at the fence. Note that it was dark and I didn't notice that it went over the fence. A couple of minutes later, we were far away from that yard. Someone said, Hey! We turned around, and he was maybe 20 meters behind us. He said, I will f kill all of you. Now all of us started running. Our friend, I'm gonna call him friend too, he ran off. I didn't see where he went, so I ran. I'm the fastest in the group, so he went after me. He grabbed me and my friend, friend one and pulled us to the side. He said, What the f*** did you throw at my yard? Now I was scared shitless at the edge of crying, and I screamed, I don't know what you're talking about. He gave me three hard slaps before my friend said, Let go of him. He turned to my friend and said something like, What the f*** do you want? And started punching him. Now at that moment, it was like, Should I fight this guy or run? I chose the second option and began running. Surprisingly, he didn't go after me, but I was going as fast as I could, turning streets, but no one was around, because it was around 10 p.m. I ran home, explained to my parents what happened. Now I was crying my eyes out, thinking that my friend is dead. But fortunately, my friend was fine. He only had a bloody lip and a black eye, and I only had a red cheek and a ripped shirt. We went to the police station, and they found that man. So, to the man who caught up with us and beat us for no reason, enjoy your time in jail. I was 17 when this happened. I had an early morning shift in a restaurant, and I used the bus to get there. When I got to my bus stop, Someone was already there. That was strange because it was so early in the morning. I started to walk to my workplace just to notice that the man started to follow me. Seeing the man following me got me scared and I started to run. There was so much off with the man. The whole time he looked at the ground but also started to run when he saw me running. I quickly ran to the back doors and saw him coming in the same direction. 
When I closed the doors, he was just a couple meters away from me, and I saw that he tried to open that locked door after me. When I was panicking inside the restaurant, my coworkers came to me and said that someone is trying all the windows to get in. We called the cops, and later they told us that the man was carrying a tiny saw with him. Sometimes I sit and think of what he would have done to me had he caught up to me. Anyways, to the saw man, I hope we never meet again. It's early June. I'm starting to regret parking a mile away as I'm leaving my friend's jewelry studio. But it's a beautiful day anyways, so here I am, walking down the street. Crossing the bridge, admiring the river, etc., etc. In the distance, the faint sound of bongos echoes off the buildings and into the street. A bar? A car sound? Whatever. As I get closer to the omnipresent bongos, I realize the source of the sound is coming from a stationary object. I've identified the source of the bongos. If you've ever seen the Tim Burton film Big Fish, you will know Danny DeVito plays a circus carny, all dressed up, with a curly mustache. A true grimy Voldabillion display. Now imagine this but as a six-foot-eight-inch burly pot-bellied homeless man with a boombox. My first internal reaction was, wow, he looks like a six-foot-eight-inch homeless Danny DeVito impersonator. Upon spotting me, Danny DeVito 2.0 turns to me and growls, hey, come over here, and begins approaching me. I say, no thank you, sir, and quickly take off for my car. And I do mean I'm booking it the f*** out of there to get to my car. Between my footsteps, the bongo music continues playing, louder as he approaches. At this point, I'm almost to my car. I unlock it with my fob and practically leap into the driver's seat, and fumbling for the lock button. The side door lock doesn't work. He is reaching for my f passenger door as I'm turning the key in the ignition. Car unlocked. Next thing I know, I'm driving away, and he is stumbling off the curb, reaching for my door handle to no avail. So, to the creepy bongo guy, please get some help, and I really hope I don't run into you again. So, this is a pretty mild one, but I was just reminded of this after reading a similar story. I must have been around 10 to 12 years old when this happened on a trip to a Target. Unfortunately, I can't remember the specifics of why or what we were doing at Target, but what I do remember was that this was about midday. We had made a couple rounds of the aisles, and I had been holding my pee for some time prior to entering the store. At some point in our visit, the pee-pee dance just wasn't doing it anymore. The discomfort of me holding my bladder shut became unbearable, at which point I told my mom that I was going to the restroom to avoid pissing myself in an aisle floor. After a bit of searching, I finally happened across the bathrooms that were located one side of the building hallway entrance to the storage rooms. The women's was closest to the corner on the main floor, 
The men's was about 20 feet inside that wide hallway. Me, being a belligerent little brat at the time, coupled with the intense need to relieve myself, I kicked the men's restroom door in after turning the handle. I kicked it so hard, in fact, that it swung inward so quickly I got scared it would slam. My fear of being scolded by a stranger prompted me to wait for the inevitable crack sound it would make on the wall. Well, lo and behold, it didn't end up into the bathroom wall like I thought. It actually just looked like it bounced off a soft cushion that only had the slightest amount of air to cause it to rebound. All I heard was a stifled huff. I found that door's behavior really odd considering how fast it swung open, so I waited a couple of seconds to see if I could see between the hinge and the door to assess the damage. You know, so I could run away without consequences if there were any. In the 7 to 10 seconds that I was able to see behind the door and was baffled, there was no door-sized crack in the wall, just a large mid-40 to 50-year-old man standing behind the door. I remember furring my brow for a half a second in my confusion, thinking the child version of, What the f*** that? And continued to hold my pee. Thankfully, I lost the urge. Oh, and I forgot to mention, these were single occupancy restrooms. So, to that 40 or 50 year old man, I'm sorry and I hope I never see you again. I am truly embarrassed. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. This all happened a handful of years ago when I, I'm now 22, was a 16-year-old. Unlike my siblings, who my parents spoil with rides to high school every morning, I, being the oldest child, had to take the bus every morning. The bus stop wasn't too far from our house, so I didn't mind, but that 10-minute walk often became a 5-minute sprint when I couldn't force myself to roll out of bed in time those early mornings. The bus stop pulled from our whole neighborhood, really, and there were always new faces coming out to catch the bus for the first time, but a good amount of regulars, too. We'd all ride the bus together in that half-asleep state teenagers are in on the way to bloody 8 a.m. math class. But the rides home were always full of happy chatter, with everyone just glad that day at school was done and we could go home to watch baseball or play video games or whatever we were doing. I had a close group of friends in high school, many of whom I am still quite close with today, and we absolutely had a group chat called The Boys, 
which we'd used to talk anything from basketball to school drama. It was Christmas break 2017 when it happened. On Christmas Day, I'm at my grandparents' place, opening presents and eating a feast with the whole family, when my buddy R texts the group. Did you guys hear? Talk about something I didn't want to do on Christmas. That day is for my family, not for talking about some school drama with the lads. Then he sends an article from our local newspaper. Teen suspected of murder, police commencing manhunt. Sprawls across the top of the page. I'm thinking, who the heck could this be and why the hell is R sending us this on Christmas Day? That's when I see his face. I almost don't recognize the kid because the look he's giving in the photo is him without glasses, which I was used to seeing him with. Then it hit me. I ride the bus with this kid damn near every day. He's sat next to me before. Hell, he's in my English class and we're currently learning Shakespeare together. The police found him hiding in a Walmart parking lot just outside of town. Apparently, he'd stabbed his own mother over 40 times in the back and let her body rot upstairs for a week before he told a friend who immediately called the police. The whole school was pretty shook up by the whole thing, and I remember the teachers all having a nervous look for the few weeks back from the break. So, the kid who rode the bus with me, learned English with me, and killed his own mom. Enjoy prison, because I don't ever want to see you again. I work at a rest or truck stop in Massachusetts in the USA. There is a 24-hour bathroom and gas station in this truck stop. One day after work, where my restaurant closed at 12 a.m., I decided to go and sit with my friend who works at the gas station, Jake for this story, 30 years old, as I usually did from about 12 to 2 or 3 in the morning. It was an average night at the beginning as there weren't many customers. I sat there and drank my beer and relaxed while he fared with the customers buying gas and scratchers. At about 1.30 a.m., there were some more customers coming in. I saw two cars park around the same time, one at a gas pump, one in front of the store. Obviously, this is normal, as we always looked toward the front door when somebody drove up, especially because we'd either be smoking pot or doing something else. I remember hearing the vehicles pull up and looking upwards toward the customers a few seconds later. I saw a lady walking from the pumps with what looked like a young girl, likely related to her, and another car parked in front of where the clerk's window is. I saw the woman walk up to the door with her daughter, and another gentleman was walking behind them into the store. As the older woman opened the door after walking over from a pump, her daughter took a left turn seemingly headed to the bathroom as a lot of customers on our rest stop were travelers and a 24-7 restroom is pretty rare in the state. I saw a man get out of his vehicle which was parked right in front of the cashier's window, Jake's window to be exact. The mother walked in and we greeted her as usual whereas right after was watched the man walked up and opened our front door. The man pulled on the gas station and the store's front door and then looked to his left. 
I was watching both customers with both eyes, and it was indeed strange when I watched his eyes veer to the left, and suddenly let go of the front doors as he quickly decided to speed around the corner. Like I said already, I saw this woman's daughter go in that direction, which is the only way to any other section of the truck stop at this point, the bathroom, and so I looked at my friend, who I was keeping company during his 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. shift. I said quietly, but also decently loud, Does that look weird? He looked at me with eyes that said more than words, with the swift saying, It does to me. Keep in mind, a lot of Massachusetts state troopers pull up to this location, as there are very little rest stops within 20 miles as we are in a more urban area. No trooper pulled up this time, however. I didn't know much of what to do as I turned around as the mother bought items, and I opened the doors that led into the dining room of the rest stop. Since I worked at the fast food restaurants here for four years, I knew almost everything about it. I just walked slightly around the corner and peeked past the ATM where both of the bathrooms were. When you first walked into the 24-hour restrooms, the immediate left is the men's room. If you continue to walk about eight feet further, past the wall, and look to your left, you'll see the women's room. So I slightly hid myself and looked through the glass door, which we had locked about three hours and thirty minutes before. I didn't really see the woman's daughter pass, but when I looked up, I could see the same man, clearly passing right by the first hallway where the men's restroom was, into the hallway where there was no room except the women's room. I waited until I really knew he had certainly entered the restroom. I really did not want to take any chances. I unlocked the door and I pushed myself through, and the women's restroom door was already closed. On CCTV footage, all you can see is me push the door open with an arm cocked back, slightly moving, then the door closes. I ended up punching a man in his face, then I kicked him in the side of his head. He fell backwards and hit the back of his head on the sink. I got completely terrified and called 911, our emergency service. I told them I had assaulted a man in the women's restroom of our local truck stop, but thought it was for a good reason. State troopers had arrived after not even three minutes. I already had my hands up in the gas station and air section. They asked me what had happened and I told them everything. After the state troopers witnessed the CCTV footage recorded by the gas station into the rest stop bathroom, they made a decision. The state troopers came up to me and said, Any driver who was stopped by a law enforcement officer for a traffic violation and is not wearing a seatbelt can be fined $25 and charged me a $25 fine. I will not name any officers that were involved in the situation. I do not know what happened to the possible creep, and frankly, I really will never care for the rest of my life. I don't think I really saved anybody, and I'm no hero, but I hope that day I made somebody really rethink their decision in doing what they wanted to do. I'm not sure if I hope we do or do not meet again. Last night, I had a disturbing experience, and I want to tell you about it now. 
My fiancé had fallen asleep on the sofa in the living room, and after I carried her to bed, I had such an extreme, ravenous appetite that I had no choice but to sneak into the kitchen, grab the last pieces of pizza from dinner, and disappear into the bedroom with my loot. Anyone who has had an experience with Seroquel knows what I'm talking about. Without turning on the bright kitchen light, I opened the fridge, took out the plate with the rest of the tuna pizza, and closed the fridge door again. My midnight snack was interrupted only by noticing a dark figure across the street, trying to stay out of the cone of light from the motion detector at the local church. At first, I thought of a burglar who might be trying to break into the church, but what I saw then really scared me. To get a better view of what was happening, I ducked into the living room, quickly closed the blinds, just enough so that I could still see out but others couldn't see in, and waited for the figure to show itself again. Sure enough, when the motion light of the church entrance went out again, the dark figure came out of its hiding place. The figure didn't try to break open the front door or any of the windows, but just stood there motionless, staring directly in my direction. Sure, this was all pretty creepy, but the situation was definitely not worth the 911 call at that moment, until I realized what the figure was really doing there. I was about to dedicate myself to my pizza again when the motion detector went on again, and this time completely illuminated the person. What I saw there really shocked me and made me doubt my sanity. Through the motion light, I could see that the person was not just standing there motionless. The man was wearing a hoodie. The hood pulled deep into his face and was holding a smartphone in one hand and his naked erect penis with the other. He was clearly trying to film into our living room while masturbating in the middle of the sidewalk. He had probably seen my fiancé streaming a series in the living room that evening and then fell asleep. Because my girl wanted to let the evening sun into the room, she had, of course, also opened the blinds, not knowing that a pervert had already positioned himself. At first, I wanted to rush outside and confront the creep directly, but I aborted this action because I didn't want to risk anything that could put me in danger. Sometimes I do manage to get my hot-headedness under control. So, I reached for my smartphone and called the cops. In the meantime, the pervert broke off his action and made a run for it. But before he ran off, he took out a stroller from some bushes, put his smartphone in it, and then walked quickly towards the park. Of course, the cops didn't find anyone, and of course, none of the neighbors noticed anything. Since that experience, I have paid even more attention to our surroundings. To the creepy guy masturbating to my girlfriend through the window, I hope I never see you again. This story starts back in 2017, when my boyfriend and I started living together. Rent in our country has been really high for years, so after looking for a long while, we decided to immigrate. Our college is very close to the border between our home country and the neighboring country, and in the neighboring country, the rents are way lower. After a few months, we found an apartment. It used to be an old hay attic of a farm, 
But a rich couple, the landlord, turned the attic into an apartment years ago and turned the rest of the house into a home for themselves. We loved the place and signed the rental agreement and moved in in September of 2017. At first, all was great. We liked our landlord and his wife, even though they were a bit eccentric. But after a while, things became less comfortable. The landlord would blast loud music at all hours of the night. If we asked him to fix something, he would show up at 2 a.m. He constantly bragged about how he kicked out the previous tenants after they told him that the rent was too high. When rats infested our roof and ceiling and created holes that went straight through to the outside, he used expanding foam to kill them, trapping the rats in the process which led to them dying and decomposing in the ceiling. And most importantly, he would knock on our door for minutes on end, and if we didn't answer, he would stand underneath our window and yell our names, like he knew we were there but ignoring him. Once, he even got into the apartment without permission. I got home and was sweaty as hell, so I walked straight into the bathroom, which was located on the left side of the entrance. When I came out wrapped in a towel and walked towards the living room, he suddenly came through the front door. I asked him what he was doing here, and he told me he left his key in our house after a visit, even though he just used that same key to get in. The last points finally clicked when we moved out. The landlord was about to move to Poland, and the new landlord was a so we decided to move out. We told him about it, and he said, well, can you give me back my camera then? We thought he was joking, but after he left, we suddenly felt so weird about it, we checked. The apartment had a very high pointed ceiling, so we had to use a ladder, but there, on the high horizontal beam, we found a small camera pointed at our living room. I think I still have the video somewhere of my boyfriend cutting the wire. All of a sudden, the cam network we saw on the Wi-Fi list on our phones was gone as well. We moved out and thought about pressing charges, but this man had a great lawyer and was long gone by then. I really do need to say, landlord, let's not meet. As recently, one of our new neighbors told us a man called Landlord's Name was in our street looking for us. Here's some background info. At the time of this story, I was eight or nine. I'm a trans man, but very closeted at that time as well. I'm also Chinese. My family was going to Canada to see my family in Niagara Falls. I have random flashbacks to this incident, but I randomly had a nightmare yesterday about it. This is just to bring awareness that no matter how someone looks, they can be a creep. So it was in the afternoon, and my father asked me to get the laundry for him down the street from our apartment. I have crappy parents, so if I said no, there would be severe consequences. He gave me a bag and I left. I had no money or a phone, just a chocolate bar and a bag. I remember so clearly I was wearing a pink unicorn shirt with glitter and denim shorts. I was pretty tall for my age and still pretty thin. The laundromat was near a McDonald's. It has a huge window so that you can see inside. I head inside, begin my laundry, 
sit down because I knew it was going to take a while. I'm sitting there on the bench and eating my chocolate bar. This dude comes in with a backpack. He had on a white tank top and red shorts. I don't mind him and continue eating. I noticed he was staring at me for a while, but he can't possibly be bad. My mom said that bad people looked like your stereotypical homeless person and just looks creepy. He was pretty good looking and fit, so he's probably just confused. He comes up to me and asks, Where are your parents? I lied and said, They will be back soon. Better to be safe than sorry. He then, standing a few feet away from me, says, I've never seen you. Are you visiting? I tell him, No, my laundry machine at home is broken. Then it starts getting really weird. He put his backpack down, and I realize it's pretty empty, and I could see that this man is ripped. I put the chocolate bar away and get up to check on the laundry, and it still has a few more minutes. He comes closer and asks me, Are you Asian? Like, there's no point in lying. Like, I look like a stereotypical Asian child. I nodded. The next lines I could still hear to this day. I love Asian women. They are so pretty. I want one for a wife. He reaches into his bag and pulls out some candy. Here, I see you like this. And then tried handing it to me. This I kind of messed, but when my grandma babysits me, she watches shows where man gives women food or liquid. Woman consumes. She then goes unconscious, and man does whatever. So at this point, I'm starting to look for excuses to leave. I am not making this up. I see a teen McDonald's employee outside eating, so I tell the guy, Oh, let me go ask my brother. I walk out, and the man is following me. The teen looks at me and puts down his sandwich. I try to be as innocent, but as straightforward as possible. I tell the teen, This man wants to give me candy. Should I take it? The teen looks at the man and then at me. I try to get him on the same page. Mom said not to take candy from a stranger, but he looks nice. The teen then gets it and looks at the man. Yeah, she's not supposed to be having candy, but thank you, though. The man having no shame at all. Oh, you're her brother? Is she adopted? Here, take my number if you ever want her off your hands. And hands the teen a paper. This is starting to form a crowd, so the guy leaves. The teen asks if he should call the police. I convince him not to because my parents will punish me. So the teen walks me to the laundromat to get the clothes. Tells me to come into the store with him. He explains to probably his manager. He gives the paper to the manager. The manager lets him leave so he can walk me home. I get to the street and I tell him that it's my hotel. I thanked him and left. As I was walking back, he stood there the whole time making sure I made it safely. To this day, I would like to think that they called the police after I left and the man is now arrested. Thank you, random McDonald's employee, for saving my life. To the creepy guy in the white tank top, let's not ever meet again. I, a 52-year-old female at the time, was traveling by car to an out-of-town job assignment. I had stopped at a popular and busy gas station and truck stop. 
Okay, it was Bucky's. To fill up the car, stretch my legs, use the restroom, and grab a snack. I was approached by a developmentally disabled woman who appeared to be in her mid-twenties. She was looking for a ride to a town a couple of towns over. Her ride had abandoned her while she was in the restroom. She was a little upset. She didn't have a cell phone and didn't know any phone numbers, so I could call someone for her. I checked with the employees at the store, and they said that she'd been there for an hour looking for a ride because she said her friends left her while she was in the restroom. I then made the decision to do something I've never done before. I offered a stranger a ride. I wasn't going to the town she wanted to go to, but I was heading in that direction, and I told her I could drop her off at the grocery store in the next town, where I would be turning off to go to my destination. The grocery store was always busy, and it was very likely she'd have an easier time getting a ride to where she wanted to go. Also, she'd be 5 miles away from where she wanted to go instead of 25 miles, and she'd have an easier time walking that distance if she had to. This was agreeable to her, and so we set off. Right away, I noticed the van following us. I tried to lose the van, but it kept pace. Meanwhile, the woman wanted to play with my phone. I told her no, it wasn't a toy. It was for work, and I moved it out of her reach. The van speeds up and starts to get closer. The woman suddenly remembers her boyfriend's phone number, and we need to call him. I can't use my phone while driving. This was a pre-car sync voice activated operation. And I was approaching the outskirts of the business district of the next town, and no cell phone use while driving signs were everywhere. I told her, we're almost to the grocery store. We can call him from the parking lot. She becomes agitated and yells, no, you have to take me home. I told you I can't do that. I'm not going there. It's in the opposite direction of where I need to go, and I'm expected soon. We'll call him from the parking lot. She becomes more upset and frustrated. The van is getting closer. I pulled into the grocery store parking lot. It's about 4 p.m. The grocery store is pretty busy. I pull up to the front of the store and ask for her boyfriend's number. She can't remember his number. She won't get out of the car. She's arguing with me, and the van is pulling into the parking lot. There is a sheriff's deputy parked nearby, and I roll down my window and signal that I need to speak to him. He walks over and asks what's going on. I tell him where I met the woman, and now she won't get out of the car, and under my breath, I tell him the van has been following us. The deputy tells the woman, She brought you where you asked her to. It's time for you to leave her car now. She slowly gets out of the car, and I ask once more for her boyfriend's phone number, and she says, You're crazy. I don't have a boyfriend. Oh, look, there are my friends now. And she points to the damn van. The deputy and I share a look, and he says, Give me your contact info. I can delay them for about 20 minutes while I check their license and registration and lecture them about abandoning a special needs adult. You get out of here and I'll check on you before my shift is over. And don't pick up any more hitchhikers. I left and went on to my destination. He called me to make sure I got to where I was going and told me that they were keeping an eye on the van and its owner. He told me he also contacted a colleague at the sheriff's department in the county where I was working 
and that she would contact me in a day or two. While I was on assignment there, I spoke to two deputies and a detective about the woman in the van. No one ever told me anything about them, but they were very interested in them. My nightmare is one day I'll turn on a true crime show and see a report about this woman and her gang robbing and killing people. So, woman looking for a ride at the travel stop? Let's not meet again. This happened to me and my friends tonight. I was genuinely scared by what went down. Me, a 29-year-old female, and my friends play in a bar kickball league every Thursday. We're very bad and mostly just enjoy going to the bar that sponsors the league after every game. Tonight, shit got weird. I'll call the bar Dan's. It was down to me and two other friends who I'll call Ryan and Annie for context. Dan's is in a part of our city that used to be a little sketchy, but has steadily gotten nicer. It's a super popular strip of bars, but it's also in an urban place, so you see some weird shit from time to time. We were sitting on the front patio of Dan's when up rolled a man on his bike with a huge stomach, with a literal hernia sticking out of it, wearing basketball shorts and one of those short sleeve hoodie zip-up things, but according to him, the zipper was broken, so it was left open to put his belly and his huge-ass hernia on display. He started trying to sell us his bike, which was clearly stolen. We played along but kept declining, citing not having any cash. He kept saying over and over how it was so annoying that we wouldn't buy his bike. One particularly creepy thing he said was, if we bought the bike, he'd walk home to the exact neighborhood that both Annie and I live in. Probably a coincidence, but still scary. He also kept asking us for cigarettes. At one point, the man said, You know what else would be annoying? If I had a gun. We froze. It was dead silent between the four of us for at least 60 seconds, which of course felt like 12 years. I finally broke the silence and said, You know, man... I think some people on the back patio were smoking cigarettes. You should probably go ask them. I was desperately hoping he'd walk into the bar and catch the bouncer's attention, which is exactly what happened. Two seconds later, the bouncer marched him outside. The man kept making comments over and over about having a gun and or slugs in his pocket. The bouncer kept trying to play it off and keep the dude calm. Finally, the bouncer negotiated with the guy and gave him a cigarette to get him to leave their patio. The dude strolled on down to the next bar, and Ryan, Annie, and I made a quick dash for the car. We all made it home safely, but I really questioned what the f*** was about to happen if the bouncer hadn't handled that dude so well. Weird-ass guy with the stolen bike? Let's not ever meet again. Unfortunately, I have quite a few stories. Here is one of them. Keep in mind, I'm 46 now. It's summer, and I am walking to my house, 12 years old, with my best friend, who's 13, up a big hill from a park. Normal day. 
we start seeing a young 20s or late teen guy driving past playing music in a red car. He drives around and then passed again, and then again. Every time he's smiling, and we now see he's circling us in his car, but it's a minute or so each time. We are so young and frankly naive, and we think it's weird, but we maybe think it's also flattering. He's older and showing us attention. Writing this out, I was so unprepared for all that follows. We get to the top of the hill, and there he is again. Parked this time, and smiling hugely, and then we see that he is leaning up high in his seat, masturbating, and very clearly leering at us. The thing is, we didn't even know a thing about anything. Like, creepy men could stalk you in a car and masturbate while smiling. I remember we couldn't even register what we were seeing. I actually thought that maybe it was in a bad dream or something. Instinct did take over, and we ran hard away in another direction, hid a lot, and then kept running until we got to my house. He didn't follow, that we could see. My aunt was the only one there, she was 30 at the time, and we were hysterical and crying, but she calmed us down and said we'd been a victim of a perverted man and she was calling the police. This seemed like a great idea. She said they would help, look for him, and maybe catch him. Remember, this was the late 80s, and I'm pretty sure his actions were not yet considered immediately criminal, let alone an obvious potential into much worse actions, but I digress. So, a male officer shows up 30 minutes later. He listens to my aunt's story potentially dangerous pervert in his car stalking and then jerking off to young girls. And then my friend's story. She was nervous, so she talked a lot. I was trying to tell my story, too, but it seemed like my friend and aunt covered it. Then, he says to my aunt and friend, I want to speak to her alone, meaning me. My aunt and friend say why, but he says I need to get the story straight, and I don't believe her, gesturing to my friend. My aunt disagrees, but he insists that I talk to him alone. She says okay hesitantly, so I follow him halfway down my front steps, while he told them to stay inside. The story he needs to get straight? He means my help to know if the man's penis was erect? Did I see it, and what did it look like? What am I leaving out? Tell me more about his penis. I am now freaked out but deeply calm, like in shock, maybe, and tell him I have no idea what the answers are. He keeps asking, so I have to remind him, I am only 12 and have no idea what an erection is. He is not satisfied by my answer, so I tell him again. I do not know, and of course now I'm apologizing profusely for not helping. Finally, he agrees, I don't know, and lets me go back to my house. He tells my aunt he's not sure anything happened at all, but they will keep an eye out. Wink, wink. They were probably related. Let's not meet again, pervert criminal and you pervert cop. I have had this friend who I've known for many years, but was never close to. Recently, coming back from uni for summer, I went back home and stayed with my parents. 
There isn't much to do in my hometown except for hang out with friends and smoke and drink. So that's exactly what I did. While hanging out with my friends, I ran into a guy. I'll call him Soph for the purpose of this story. Soph has always seemed like a chill guy, typical 19-year-old man who studies business, lived off daddy's money since he comes from a wealthy family. As soon as we reconnected, we developed a closer friendship. He started hosting at his house and my friends and I would go. When we smoked, he frequently brought up his fantasies of killing and eating someone. Of course, all of us being high would just laugh it off and consider it to be shock humor. However, he would never laugh while making these jokes. We, my friends, had agreed he was pretty creepy, but we chalked it up to him just being too high. That is, until I started hanging out with him alone. We have a pretty small friend group that hangs out nearly every day. Saf and I stay up pretty late after everyone's left, usually until the sun comes up which is how we got so close, because it would be just us at the end of the night and he would drive me home. On one of those nights, we were with a group of friends and decided we would all take edibles. For context, we were at Saf's house. Three hours into it, when all of us are pretty gone, Saf starts going on a tangent about how it would feel to pluck someone's eyeballs out. He starts going into detail, and my other friend asks him to stop talking because it was making him uncomfortable. He always did this, but this time he really went into detail, explaining imagery, etc. Someone quickly changed the subject, and the night went on. About an hour later, my friend and I decided to look at the fridge for the munchies. As we look in the fridge for shit to eat, I feel someone put their arm around my neck, and I feel something quite heavy putting pressure on it. And as I look down, I realize Sap is holding a knife to my neck and holding my other friend with his other free hand. What are you guys doing? He asks. Keep in mind, we are very, very high. So I start laughing it off and going along with what I thought was a joke. As my friend and I answer him, I realize he still hasn't pulled the knife off my neck and that he was, in fact, holding it closer to the point where I started to cough. Thankfully, the knife was quite dull, but it was still a massive kitchen knife. As soon as I realize he isn't letting go, I let out a scream. Nothing too loud or alarming. I was hoping he would also assume I was joking. He then lets go and walks away. The night goes on and we quickly forget about what happened. Saf offers to drive my friend and I home at the end of the night when everybody has left. My friend and I didn't have a car or money, so we accepted. On the drive home, we stopped at a red light. He made my friend get out and check if the car was damaged because he had seen someone bump into it while driving. Neither my friend nor I saw this, but my friend got out of the car anyways and checks. As he tries to open the back door to get in the car again, Saf locks it. The light has now turned green. And thank God it was only 5 a.m. because there was only two or three other cars around. But they started beeping and swerving as to not hit the car or my friend. As my friend and I are yelling for him to open the door, he drives a couple inches forward, putting the tire on my friend's foot. 
He then unlocks the door and watches my friend yell at him for being trapped under the tree. I look over to Saf and I see him hysterically laughing and putting the car in reverse for my friend to get in. Once he got back onto the road, he starts driving like crazy, which isn't unusual for him, but he was a lot more reckless that night or morning, whatever time it was. Now, before you all judge me for staying friends with such a weird and dangerous man, keep in mind it had never been this bad before. He just said really weird shit every now and then. But I honestly thought it was an intrusive thoughts thing. I struggle with mental health and have the most vile and weird intrusive thoughts, so I thought that was it. And as for the night I have mentioned, we were all really high on edibles, so although I was very weirded out, I thought he must have just been super high, and so was I, so I convinced myself I was overreacting. Then, one night, we would go to a party together. We then got back in the car for an after party, but on the way, realized it had been cancelled. Saf then asked me if I wanted to go back to his house, eat something, watch a movie, and smoke. It was still really early in the night, so I agreed, knowing I wouldn't be asleep for a while. We pull up. He tells me to make myself comfortable, and he's going to cook us some pasta. Do you see where this is going? So I sit down, turn on a movie, and wait. He comes back out with the pasta, and I eat almost all of it. In a few minutes into the movie, I started feeling very ill. I mention this to Saf, and he says it's probably just because I drank, but I only drank very little at the party, which was around three hours ago at this point, and haven't thrown up or felt nauseous from alcohol in years. As time goes on, I keep feeling worse and practically beg him to take me home. He refuses because he is in his house understandable. However, this is the first time he's declined taking me home. At this point, I get a really bad feeling along with the sickness, and my body decided I had to get out of there. I thankfully had some money with me, so I ordered a cab and went home. In the cab on the way home, I started vomiting out the window because of how much pain my stomach was in. I get home and I just collapse but I am unable to fall asleep because of how much pain I am in. Then, I start thinking about all the times he's mentioned the desire to kill someone and eat them. He always talked about how he would eat a girl's thigh because he believes it was the juiciest, how he would only eat a girl and not a boy. Since that day, I've kept my distance, but I've been fighting with myself internally, asking... Did I get poisoned or did I just drink too much? Is he a psychopath or just a little weird? I truly don't know, so please, any advice would be appreciated. As I've mentioned, I've been friends with him for years and developed a close relationship, and I do love him as a friend, just not enough to get eaten. So, my probably cannibal friend, let's not meet again. I honestly don't know how to begin or deal with this entire situation. To keep it short, I've been touched in my sleep by him for four times now, and throughout them all, my mother hasn't really done anything about it, but yell at him through text. She'd send me a screenshot, but that was it. 
It's a little infuriating since he'd manipulate her into thinking he was just putting a blanket over me. To which I replied, who the hell is he to put one on me? And are you just going to ignore the fact he went into my room? He also guilt-tripped her, saying, We can't do much if that's what she thinks, because you know, I'm not the one to do that. Let her be. Just pretend to be mad at me when we come home. She acted poorly. It was way too obvious. Mind you, I've gone through past situations with family members, a grandfather and a cousin. I can't exactly leave the home since I'm honestly not prepared to live alone yet, and I'm still saving up. No matter how much I barricade my room, he'd still get inside. I had to hide and change my toothbrush because it's always used. I always had to wear a bra, even in my sleep. I'm seriously reaching my limit. I woke up one day to the sound of a kiss close to me. I thought to myself, my mother wasn't home because she was at work by 6 a.m. I continued to pretend to be sleeping, and I hear him whisper, I love you, close to my face. I've never been so creeped out to the point I trembled. The next day, my mother was away again. I bought so many locks, and yet he was still able to get in. I woke up, continued to be sleeping, and jolted my eyes open to see him sitting there watching my face up close. He scrambled out of the door. That's when I knew I had to do something, and I'm not safe anymore. I sleep with a weapon on me now every night. I never told my mother about these recent behaviors because I knew she won't believe me sadly, or do anything serious about it. So, if it ever happens again, I'm going to have to muster up all my courage to stand up for myself and confront him again. By the way, this man-child has no contribution at all to the house. He's an in-real-life leech. I buy groceries and pay bills while my mother pays rent. So, to my mom's boyfriend, I hope my mother can see you as the monster you are, and we hopefully will never meet again. And that, dear listeners, brings a close to these true Let's Not Meet stories. If you're asleep, I hope Slumberland is treating you kindly. If you're awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, please take care of yourselves, and I'll be reading to you soon. Have yourselves a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night.